You can introduce us. I yeah. am. Do an intro. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. And we're back with podcast number four. Sean Burkle is going to join us shortly, although I don't think he's going to have a mic. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. If you recall last time, we did not have any guests. It was just Sean and myself talking about all the things we did in the glorious year. That was 2021. Now we're on to 2022. We got two special guests in the booth. We got Joe Ruck. That is right. The Joe Ruck. And also Carter Bowles. Also in the booth, you may know him from the Margate Night program. Uh, if you don't know who Joe Ruck is, he has got a bucket list of items that he's run so far. He's run shifters, I think, since you were like, what, 14, 13? I moved into shifters when I was 11. When you were 11, and you've ran it ever since. Yeah. Uh, you, once you jump into shifter, you never look back. This is true. This is very true. And then also, Carter Bowles has been involved in motorsports most of his life, obviously, with your dad being the president of this motor speedway. Yep. Is a big uh, step in there. Your brother also involved in IndyCar, Connor Daly. And aside of that, you're also very involved with Marga Ignite and the Ignite program and the WK206 series. So this podcast is going to be kind of about talking about Carter in the Midwest. People have made it out, how it's kind of progressed over time. We got the newer generation that is Carter. And obviously the 206 is the beating heart of grass root. Joe Ruck, who's been in karting when it had its heyday in shifters, now it's starting to have its comeback. So we're going to get into that a little bit. So let's just do, I did your introductions. Let's talk about it more. So Joe, why don't you tell us all that you've done so far in the world of motorsports? <laughs> All right, I like how you said Carter was the new generation. I was like, man, I didn't really feel that old, but I guess I do run <laughs> Masters now. You know, it's from so. all the years I finished second to you in 80 Shifter. I think that's just the final show <laughs> for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I started racing on my sixth birthday back in 1996. So I don't know when you were born, Carter. 2002. Sweet. That was so. four years before I was born. <laughs> right, okay, great. So, yeah, I started racing Cade Karts uh, at Muncie with Saika. Back in 1996, uh, my dad raced go-karts growing up. So, yeah, I started racing with my dad and my sister, actually, both raced. Um, she raced to, like, seventh grade, and then my parents were pretty much like, we're not going to spend money on racing and cheerleading. So you got to <laughs> pick, and she picked cheerleading. So There you go. Which meant more money for me to go racing. So I was like, all right, cool, Sam's out of the picture. Now I can go racing <laughs> more. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, so I raced um, – mostly like local racing raced at whiteland raced at a track called portland in indiana which is no longer there um i don't think muncie's there anymore uh track attack we did a lot i mean a lot of uh kid carts and then briggs purple restrictor for a long time um ran out here in briggs purple in 2001 um like i remember when they put the bank in that's that was old the chain breaker years, right? Yeah, chain breakers cart club. Yeah. I have a chain breakers cart club championship trophy from 2001. Got Tony Stewart's picture on it. I think it does. Yeah, yeah. or at least has Tony Stewart racing on it. Oh yeah, I remember that. And then uh, I ran Yamaha Can for two races here at Whiteland, and me and my dad are both like, "This is lame." <laughs> we thought this was going to be way more fun. Let's go buy a shifter cart. So was we, it an 80 or 125? It was an 80. It was okay. an 80. Back then they still had 80 Junior. Okay, I remember so that. So I ran 80 Junior um, with the Great Lakes Scusa back then. Riggins ran that, didn't Yep, he? Terry. So Terry Riggins has been my race director since I raced kid karts. He was the race director at the Central Indiana Karting Association, which is Saika, back at Muncie. So Terry has literally seen me race since I was six years old. I'm um, 31 now. So that's pretty, it's pretty cool to still see Terry around at the track. But, uh, yeah, we jumped up into shifter karts. Um, I got a Tony Kart Racer, 2001 Tony Racer, with a stock 80cc Honda. You get it from Wiltshire? Where'd you get it from? No, Bone Stock from Greg Wright, Rapid Racing. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All brand new from Greg Wright at Rapid Racing. 
Um, that was why I ran my whole first two years of, uh, like no front brakes. And then, uh, ran that for two years, mostly just, uh, regional stuff with schools of great lakes, which was a great series back then. I mean, we had like 18 to 20 eighties, every race for the junior or the senior junior. Oh, wow. And then they had uh, senior 80, they had FMX, which was like a stock moto basically. Then they had mod moto and then there was no ICC or KZ back then. Um, we did that and then uh, needed front brakes after a while. So uh, we bought an Arrow AX8 shifter cart. I've heard Two, stories about this Arrow. 2003 Arrow AX8. And that thing was built like an absolute tank. <laughs> I mean, that thing, I drove that cart for like 11 years or something crazy. Uh, it had been welded on and, I mean, I don't know. It probably wasn't really still straight anymore, but it was still pretty quick. But um, And then jumped out of go-karts into a dirt late model mm-hmm. did some dirt late model stuff and that was in like 2008 when the economy took a dump so jumped into cars at a terrible time um had some sponsorship back then and then the economy took a dump all the sponsors backed out so i only ran the dirt late model for like a, like a little over a season okay and then was pretty much done racing you know i was like well i guess it was a good while it lasted and then my dad and i got the itch to go racing again so we kept the arrow bought it like a junk stock honda put it on there and raced it out at uh newcastle in just the kra club um and then got pretty serious into it again started racing for phil giebler um with an fa cart um won the scusa central states challenge s2 championship in 2011 i think and is this around the time you started road racing as well yeah, I mean, I did road, like, so back in the day with Scusa with Terry's series, we did, like, two or three road races a season. Uh, and that's when you ran an IRP, too. Yeah, so okay. we would do, they'd be, like, eight-race series, so they, and it was awesome. So we'd do, like, Newcastle, Norway, South Bend, Circleville, Camden, all the, like, little tracks around here that were, like, good go-kart tracks, you know? Absolutely. And then we'd run a couple street races, like, um, Anderson Grand Prix was a Scusa race. And then uh, Connorsville was a good time. And then we'd also run like Grattan, Gingerman. We ran IRP one year. We'd go to Blackhawk. Like we do all these road races too, all in the same series. So it was really cool back then. There's like no, not really any series that do that anymore. No. Which so is very, we'll get into that later on. <clears throat> but so yeah, 2011, you're running Aero Moto, I take it? Yeah. Yeah. Stock Moto. Like <laughs> bone stock Moto? Bone stock Moto. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, so. Then we get a FA car. We spend some money, get a good engine from uh, John at SRS. Um, and that's when they were doing that Mazda Road to Indy driver's combine. And uh, I think like 10 drivers got a, if you won a certain race or championship or something, you got invited to this combine. So we won the Central State Challenge Series in S2 and got a ticket to go down there and race or to try out essentially for a season of USF 2000. Is that at Sebring? That was at uh, Anderson Race Park. Oh, okay. Way back in the history books. So, um, which is not a big track. Like, if you've been to Anderson, it's not really big enough for a USF 2000 car. Or yeah, like any it's car. still there. That, yeah, it's still there. Everything's still, still there. Uh, I think they might be a Burrell dealer still. But, um, God, that's, kinda, that's a mile long, if that, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, it's On not big. Layout? I don't think we got out of second gear in the USF 2000 Jeez. car. But that was like the older version of the USF 2000, like the Van Diemen with the H-pattern gearbox. Um, but it was cool. I mean, we did, they did like a whole combine, you know, they did like, they made you meet with sponsor, like potential sponsors and you'd have to talk to them and say that you like show that you were a good talker. And then it wasn't just being able to drive the car, Mm -hmm. you know, 
and I was even a little old back then. Like, so I guess I was still probably 22, 23 and like, that's too old to be racing USF 2000 already. You Nowadays. Know? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I was, there was a bunch of kids there pretty much and I'm like the old guy already. <laughs> They're like, so, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I have like a job, like a real job. <laughs> <laughs> like I have bills to pay. And, uh, so I, I mean, we did pretty good. It was really cool. Did they do your makeup for the interviews? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Full makeup. A little bit of blush. Yeah. But they told me, they're like, you know, you're so good looking. We really oh, uh-huh. you look good. We don't need to put any makeup on this guy. Uh, but you know, that was just the age, <laughs> but, uh, maturity. Right. So, um, but it was a cool, it was a really cool experience. Um, I think Bobby Kelly won, uh, and got to do a few races in USF 2000, but it was just, it was one of those deals where you kind of got your face out there. Um, like every USF 2000 team owner was there. So you got to, you know, meet and greet with all them and talk to them. And Dan Anderson was there. So, and he owns like pretty much the whole Mazda road to Indy. Now I think he owns all the Indy lights and everything now. Um, super nice guy. Um, but yeah, it was cool. And then, uh, you know, I did some tests in USF 2000, but it was just so expensive, man. I just didn't have the money for it. I mean, even back then it was like 300 grand for a season in USF 2000. This is like what? 2012, 11. Yeah. Something like, yeah, I think 2012. Um, and then, you know, I just was just like trying to be a race car driver back then pretty much. And, uh, had a part-time job and then spent a lot of time just driving go-karts trying to stay sharp and then just doing whatever i could to get into a car or even be around it you know i'd just go to races do anything i went down to saint pete and uh just try to get in front of anybody i could you yeah. know but uh after that we uh went into a little bit of sports car stuff i met up with a guy named uh from indy named dougie livingston and uh he ran a series at the time called the intercontinental trophy cup mm-hmm. um, and it was like a porsche cayman spec series pretty much and it was really cool uh, they had a good series going. Um, I'm not really sure what happened with it, but Dougie kind of moved on to bigger and better things. But I did some driving with them and got uh, some sports car experience. So Jerry, so like local, like Putnam and Middle High? Yeah, yeah, just little stuff like that. And then uh, after that, we just kind of jumped back into go-karts because uh, it was just what we knew. You yeah. know, um, uh, We took like a year off of racing completely. And then uh, this is kind of how you and I got back in touch. I heard that me and my dad kind of heard the rumblings of a ADCC class with SIRA. And I was like, man, SIRA is still around, man. We've had, I haven't ran with SIRA since like the early, early two thousands, late nineties. And, uh, they were like, yeah, they got like 30, 80 shifters that run these races. I was like, no way they have 30 eighties. And I was like, dude, let's put a go-kart together. Let's, let's put a shifter together and go have fun. And, uh, so I called, um, Greg Bell had a, was running with Praga, had Pragas back then. And he had a, I remember that Praga. I remember yeah. seeing the back of that Praga a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I talked to Greg and he gave me a sweet deal on a Praga that had like one or two races on it. And, uh, I don't even remember where I got my first engine from. Like I found a Wolger. Like I just called all my buddies that I used to race eighties with like anybody that I knew that had an 80, I called him. I was like, Hey, do you still have that engine? That's probably sitting in, sitting in the corner collecting <laughs> dust. They're like, yeah, what do you want it for? I was like, I'm gonna race it, dude. They got a series here that runs them. They're like, all right, give me like a hundred bucks for it. <laughs> I was like, okay, we used to spend like $4,000 on these engines. <laughs> but, uh, so I got a super cheap Wolger engine, showed up at Anderson with like, you know, like a pretty proper package, like a nice Praga yeah. with a Wolger 80. And I was like, oh, we'll just go have some fun and showed up. And there was some rough carts out there. There like, was, there was some rough yeah. machinery out there. And, uh, but it, it, it like everyone was just having fun. Like it was yeah. just for fun. It evolved over time. Yeah, for sure it got a lot better as like, you know, some more people kind of figured out shifter cart racing, you know, 
but uh it was just all for fun man we had a blast like we just drove around to all these like sketch street races and had a blast like it was a good time we're just drinking beer after the races hanging out i was 14 so i definitely did not do that i I was (laughs) drinking beer after the races hanging out um and like that's all it was it was just fun and then uh Josh Lane was like, hey, you want to come run this stock moto? Uh, I think that was like right when moto was getting big in Scusa again. Yeah, that and was he's about like, 2015-ish. <clears throat> yeah, he said uh, he was racing for Don Gilbo and DRT, and he was like, we need somebody to come run S2, uh, and I think you'll like you'll come throw down. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll come throw down. It'll be sweet. Uh, Jumping that, got my ass handed to me. <laughs> like I hadn't ran anything like national level in a long time, you know. Um, and we just mid-packed. Like, we were just like – uphill battle the whole time well that was back too when the s2 class was still stacked because they had like 30 and s1 30 and s2 s1 was super stacked s2 was like a bloodbath man it was crazy there was like 30 s2s and everyone was fast yeah they go to s1 you see musser lane going back and forth yeah they're in a pack of 10 yeah formal all i mean like french all those guys oh yeah it was crazy but uh, so we go and do that, and then like that kind of sparked the, the fire of like wanting to get back into it pretty seriously. And then, uh, you know, I started racing with Don with DRT for quite a while, um, and then kind of moved away from that and uh, got together with Race recently. Uh, I've been running the Race Factory stuff since then, and then now we're just kind of running all the street races and stars. I mean, my heart's in street racing, you know, like Rock oh, Island, different. Quincy. That's those are the two best races of the year. That's really like my bread and butter but like and then we're just gonna do that and stars now and uh i mean there's a lot of little stuff in there to fill in the gaps so we can go on but uh that's kind of like a brief synopsis of my racing career well a couple of things i'm gonna add into and a couple of things i've always had respect for is that nowadays you see these major teams show up you and your dad mostly ran all of your karting out of the back of like a 10 by 8 trailer oh yeah yeah we ran uh it was just me and my dad for years yeah, we had the like the Team Rook Racing six by ten. I remember that the old white one, and uh, I mean, we ran we had that for like twenty years. I remember seeing it as a kid and seeing when guys came back and ran eighties. And the thing about that is that you'd show up, pit out in the back of it, and you'd shake up the midfield. Like you, yeah. you were always like the dark horse. You were everyone counted you to be up front, but you never had major team backing, which I hundred percent respected about you guys. Is that you and your dad? Which I said this before the podcast. Say it again. Your dad is a gem when it comes to racing. Oh yeah, dude, Jerry Rook's good people. Oh my god, it made my day when we were down at a GoPro, and I think you were in the K Masters, and he came up and he was like, "I haven't talked to you in a year." I'm like I'm still glad you recognized me, <laughs> but no, that was that's what I had the high respect for you for, and you were always fast. Like even. When I'd finished, the, my animosity a little bit towards you is that the year before you came back to 80s, it was uh, Tim and Tyler Soares who founded the, or brought it back. Also great people, by the way. Tim oh, and Tyler, my God. No one better. And Tim makes the best burgers. Yeah. Hands down. Um, but Tyler's uncle, Randy Cassidy Jr., was the one who's sweeping all in 80s, and I was running second to him. And then he said, oh, I'm done racing. I'm like, oh, finally get to get a championship. But I goes, hey, there's some guy named Joe Ruck asking about it. My dad's like, Joe Ruck? So I scratch his head. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, huh, well, have another fun year getting second in championship. Because <laughs> I remember him when he was a kid. But, yeah, that was – we'll get more into detail, too, about you. But I've always had the highest respect for you, and I'd finish second to you any day of the week because you're a very clean driver. You won't shut anybody off. You and uh, Race Lebronte, I'd say, are about the same driving style. And Chase Jones, where you won't drive dirty, but if someone gives it to you, you'll give it back twice as hard. Yeah, I mean – not dirty for sure can maybe be a little over aggressive sometimes uh my wife tells me that frequently 
Well, um, more so now that you have kids. Yeah. Yeah, that too. But I mean, I think me race and chase all, I mean, we'll race you clean, but like I have no problem banging doors. Like if that's what you want to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, back to my dad, my dad sacrificed so much for my racing career. I mean, he did everything he could to try to make me become a race car driver. You know, he worked his tail off, never complained about anything. And it was just me and him for, I mean, I don't know, 25 years. We never had any factory help until, I mean, the last few years we've gotten some help. But uh, up till that, it was just me and him. And, uh, yeah, he's the reason that I still race, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything but good things to say about oh, my dad, Oh, absolutely. Obviously. And I, it's always a joy to see it. I was disappointed it wasn't in Vegas, but. He was disappointed after he saw where the race was at with the airstrip right there. <laughs> that was really cool. I was like, yeah, we're here for the race. But, I mean, we get an air show all day. It's crazy. Oh, you and I were playing spot the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every guy in the paddock, you hear a plane taking off. You just see every guy in the paddock just walk out of the outside. tent. Oh, it's the same plan that we've seen 15 times today. It's still awesome. It's all still right. awesome. <laughs> it was really, all right. Now, Carter Bowles, the man who's the 206 representative in the room. Well, we got Sean <laughs> Brooklyn here too. But current, you can still throw Someone it has a mic. <laughs> <laughs> you can throw it back. I'll throw my mic over to Sean if we need. So you ran 206 more recently. You got involved with the Margate Ignite program. Tell us about... Your involvement in racing, obviously, it goes back. Your yeah. dad was part of Panther Racing yeah. and then obviously president of IMS. So just tell us about, like, same thing with Joe, yeah. like growing up and how you got into it recently. Well, my racing career isn't as extensive as yours, I will say that, um, either of you. Um, but I obviously grew up around it. Um, my dad with Panther and my brother racing since he was 10. Um, I went to all of his kart races in Newcastle, came here to Whiteland to see him race before this place was even anything. Um all my brothers race, uh, not not just Connor. They all go-karted. Um, and I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, it was something that I enjoyed watching, going to. I never thought I'd get into it, though. Um, obviously, my dad moved on to the Speedway. And then um, I was 15, and I had really never gotten into go-kart before. I'd done some you know concession karting at some fun places, and I never really got into it. And uh, Keith Freebert owns Margay. He called my dad and said, hey, we got this new series called the ignite series using 206 motors and the ignite k3 chassis and he said you know if carter wants to get into it this is is perfect time so i was like you know i'll, I'll go try it see what it's like went down to st louis at the carplex down there and i was like you know we'll see what it's like did a day of testing and i was like you know this is cool and i sucked i will say <laughs> first race pace lap going out i didn't know how to do deal with the cold tires took out two other people on the pace lap because i spun warming them up um, but I left and I was really excited cause I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Um, two years I did like maybe one or two races, um, a year. And then, um, Sarah and Andy called my dad and said, Hey, we got this new car track down here. We acquired Whiteland and we were like, Oh, cool. You know, Connor used to run there. Um, they said, we're thinking about doing a big two or six class. If you want to bring an ignite card or something to run in it. My dad and I were like, yeah, that'd be great. So that sort of started our like full, full like summers of, of racing down here. Um, before that, it was just uh, the Carplex every once in a while and the Battle of the Brickyard. When they had the Battle of the Brickyard, that was a great event. All those Absolutely. all those carts together, 70 carts, you know, door to door, you know, bumper to bumper, shoving each other like 75 miles an hour. Um, started racing down here. Um, and it's something cool that my dad and I could do together. I mean, we would throw the cart in the back of the Tahoe, put the seats down, take all the parts off the cart, throw it in the back of the Tahoe and drive it down here, pitch a tent, and then in the gravel lot here and push out and run together. It was, it was a great time. 
Um, dad's definitely the best engineer you could have. Sometimes we engineer ourselves backwards, but it's, it's normally, it normally does well. It's all part of the process. It's, yeah, that's racing. Um, and then, you know, we, they started building the garages here and we are like, you know, might as well, you know, get one and call this sort of our home track. So we started running at Wyland a lot and then ran a K100 with uh, WPK down here one time and I thought that was awesome that was like it really fast like breaks and I was like dang this is crazy um but I had to stick with had to stick with Ignite great carts great people um tried some tried some cars my dad and I did a 10-hour endurance race and an old you know BMW um at the Speedway and that was a great time um cars they're a whole different breed like a whole different breed power grip they're big and it's like oh this is wild um and then I did a, a F4 Skip Barber uh, weekend just to learn a little open wheel, see what it's like. Um, definitely won't make racing a career, I'll say that, but because I've seen what it does and how, how hard it is to get there, um, and I let let one of the family members do that. But um, it, was, it was awesome, and it's been a great experience just growing up karting down here in Indy, um, and it's cool just to have these stories with my dad you know, for the rest of my life that we're going to remember forever. I mean... Most recently, we went to, uh, did a Newcastle race there, and my dad and I found this old 15-year-old jet ski trailer, ripped everything off of it, and we put massive plywood over it and tie-strapped tie the carts down, towed them. We were on the way, we were on the interstate, and I looked back, I said, yeah, the, uh, the back half of the cart's hanging off the trailer. <laughs> so we're on the side of the interstate, strapping these things on, but, I mean, it's been a great experience for the last five years, four years, learning getting better. I mean, I, like I said, I was pretty terrible at first, but you know, I mean, I get to experience a little bit of what my brother goes through, um, on a yearly basis. And I, you know, it's always great having him out to this car track, learn from him. He comes back down here. I mean, I don't think he's been down here since he was a little kid and he's a big advocate for the Ignite series as well. And he said, you know, I'll come down and help you whenever you need. So he's always been down great resource to, to learn from. Um, but yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. Not as extensive as of a career, but it's been fun. Well, Joe's got more, um, how do I say this? Years of experience. There we go, yeah. <laughs> Life experience. Life experience that he has. Well, and something that's awesome, too, about that Ignite program, which I think is a good attraction for people who are trying to get into, is that it's completely stock. Like, usually yeah. they have recommended gears, but you can't really change much on it. I don't think you can change caster and camber on them, can you? Um, you can a bit. Not, not a whole a, lot? Not a lot, though. Um, yeah, everything's, everything's the same. I mean, pre- essentially, everybody has the same cart. Tires are spec chassis spec motors motors are locked you can't mess with the motor you can't do anything clean it that's about it and the fields are huge oh yeah oh, yeah. yeah we and we, when we did the battle of the brickyard we had what 50 60 65 carts yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, that margate tent's like a whole city block oh yeah oh my god yeah we were just down at um daytona doing the race down at daytona they had 38 carts down there for ignite senior and we were just it's a great time i mean and they treat treat everybody so well they're super helpful i mean they they helped me so much figure out like what to do with carts like how to drive them properly how to work on them myself how to my dad and I can tune them together on our own stuff like that I mean it's been a great program for sure. Now I will say the last brickyard we did your dad kind of scared me because Randy Kugler and I were up in the announcing booth and this is when Sean and I first had our big major event and so I was announcing down here like you know in front of I mean they pull a decent crowd down here nothing like brickyard obviously <laughs> which at the time was the biggest cart race of the year yeah. in 2020. So I'm announcing it, 206, um, or Margate Ignite, 206 
heavy, medium. I think you're in medium, senior. right? Senior. Yeah. They went out, and I was like, all right, got to sound good for this one because there's a lot of big <laughs> names in this. And I turn around, and I see a man in a suit with an IMS mask walking up behind. I'm like, that looks really familiar. It puts him on my shoulder. How you going? How's it going? I'm like, oh, my God, that's Doug Bowles. Okay, <laughs> don't screw up anyone's names and act as professional as possible. <laughs> Um, but Caleb, no, it Caleb was smock not screwing up anybody's names. Yeah. Somebody catches that. <laughs> yeah. Well, for that one, I was fine. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't because Randy got mad at me. Uh, Mike Doty, I kept calling Mike Dotty, and he ah, corrected me about ten times. He kept going, <laughs> but thank you for reminding me, Joe, about how good my pronunciation <laughs> skills are. Um, but it, no, it would have happened in the comments if I didn't call you out. Oh, it always happens. <laughs> you can ask Sean. He was I. It's kind of like a Real Housewives moment, and I was like, no one likes me. And he was like, you just need to figure out names. You've never seen these people before, and I am a grand. But anyways, uh, I regress. But no, that's a good program for people to get yeah. into. And, I mean, it's awesome because you and I both go to Purdue, mm-hmm. and it's only an hour and 15-minute drive to get down yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we're both on the same Purdue Grand Prix uh, Collegiate GP, which is like a race within the Purdue community, which we all do. And they come down here for testing, and it's awesome because we're all down here. The oh, Grand yeah. Prix's here. I'm here working, announcing. You're here driving, and we're all hanging out with the team, so it's convenient, but it, yeah. um, we'll get more into that later, too. But the reason why I brought you two gentlemen in here is because I want to discuss uh, about the state of karting in the Midwest, because Sean and I, with all of our travels that we've done in the past couple of years, a lot of the big names do come from like the south, the coasts, out of the country, and there's not a whole lot of major names from the Midwest. When I was a kid, everyone thought the two guys are going to be the top dogs, which you were for a moment uh, when you had your time when you were running Scusa. Uh, we all thought, at least as my friend group, that it was Colton Aldrin and Joe Ruck were going to be the two big guys. And you guys made your names in Scusa. I feel like if you had the more funding and recognition that you deserved, you probably would have gone farther. But as far as getting people out of this area, because we have, I think, the most amount of tracks per states yeah. in like three or four areas than any other parts of the country. Maybe yeah. California has more. The one thing that we have to deal with up here that, you know, guys in Texas and California, Florida, we have like, four or five months a year where we can't drive at all. This is true. Know? Yeah. And that's a lot of seat time that you're just sitting around like, and there's guys getting better, you know, yeah. there's guys, uh, you know, down at speed sports testing all the time. Like there are guys that say, man, I'm never, I don't ever get a test, but I see your cart in the background of pictures on Instagram. Like I know you're out there driving, you know? Um, I, I think that's huge. I think, uh, guys in California, Texas, all those places, they get to drive year round. And, um, you know, I, that, that just makes it's all, it's seat time. Cardi yeah. is seat time. Um, I, I honestly think that's one of the biggest things that we have to deal with. Um, and then another thing that we, we've always dealt with, and I've talked to Darren Harden so much about this. Um, we all ran street races all the time growing up, like me, Devin, you, uh, Colton too. We all just street raced all the time. So we got really good at low grip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Friday practice, we're all fast. And then as soon as, like, at Newcastle, come Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, when the track starts gripping up, dude, we suck. I didn't even think about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. we just struggle so bad, like, with a grippy track. Like, as soon as rubber went down, we just, you know, we're throwing the kitchen sink at it all weekend trying to figure out what to do. And, uh, like, I'm, like, a classic case of I never really wanted to mess with the cart that much. I was, I was like, it's probably just my driving, you know. So I would just try to drive around a bad setup. And... That's, you know, that was just from lack of competition for a long time. You know, I was like, you know, we're fast enough. We don't really need to work at it that hard. But then when you're running at that level, every tenth, like, makes a huge difference. Absolutely. So I was always, like, I was always wondering. I'd get out of the cart, and I'd be just exhausted, just worn out. And then this 120-pound kid would get out of the cart (laughs) in front of me. (laughs) 
like hop out of the cart, no problem, looks good, you know. And I'm like, man, I'm dying. <laughs> and uh, like, I know that I'm in good shape. And it's just because my cart was handling so bad, but I didn't really know how to fix it because yeah. we never really messed with handling that much. And uh, until I really met Race and like Josh Lane and ran with DRT and stuff, that's when you really learn how to like set a go kart up. You know, around here at club levels and stuff, it's as long as it's okay, it's good enough. You know, and I, I think that makes a huge difference is just the lack of uh, just like the national racing scene in this area. I mean, we're all good regional racers and club racers, but um, as soon as it gets onto the national stage, we all seem to struggle. I think you have a good point about, um, because there's a lot of guys who came from street racing, especially in our time, who, yeah. like you said, I was thinking back to out in Utah, for example. I don't know if, did, were you out that one? No, I didn't go. Okay. Um, I know Devin was a good case of it, like you were talking about too, who's fast on Friday and Saturday, and then progressively starts to fall off. Not saying it's anything distant on him, but that does make sense of what you're talking about, of how we're used to low grip. Because, like, you go to a rain race, Devin, you ra- – um, well, race is always fast, but Devin, you, and Colton would be ahead of the field yeah. because you're just not running in grip. So that makes a whole lot of sense. And then you'll see you guys who run, like, Skuza Pro Tour, which you did a little bit last year. Um, you'll run – very respectively up towards that front half. And then you go to some track like Quincy rock Island, you guys are miles ahead of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go on the street courses and like, that's our bread and butter. You know, that's what we do. So, you know, race is usually, you know, race is usually faster than me and Devin. Yeah. And then at Quincy, we were all like pretty even, you Mm -hmm. know, but that's, that's what me and Devin have been doing our whole lives. Right. You know, we've only really ran street races. So, and then, you know, rock Island's just its own animal. I mean, oh, it's Rock Island. It's, yeah, that's the best yeah. To describe there's, it. there's no getting ready for Rock Island. It's just, it's gonna knock the fillings out of your teeth, and it'll be a good can, time if you can make it out of there without tearing the hell out of everything, like <laughs> including your liver. You've had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> what year was that when you uh, missed morning warm up when it was raining? Every year. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do know that young man across the table from me is thinking about running Rock Island, which I think we should make happen. Someday I'd love to do it. They have an Ignite class up there, right? They do, yeah. Yeah, there's no excuses then. Yeah, no, I'd love to do it. Um, my mother might not like that as much as I would. Um, so so you, run, you run Quincy, and when you make it through Quincy, then you're like, all right, Rock Island's no problem. <laughs> Graduate up to Rock Island. Yeah. I mean, the thing to me is the shop windows there. That that gets me. But. There's fencing. You won't go into a shop window. You'll just go into a fence. <laughs> Which that's only happened like twice. Yeah, I mean, Rock yeah, Island's yeah. night and day safer than it used to be. I mean, the first year oh, yeah. I ran Rock Island, it was still hay bales. Um, yeah. And now with the barriers and everything, like, I mean, there's obviously still wrecks, but that's going to happen anywhere. Right. Um, but I think the safety at Rock Island and Quincy both, and I've wrecked big at both places and yes. walked away from them. So, I mean, I understand, like, the hesitation of wanting to run yeah. a Quincy or Rock Island from a safety standpoint, but those attract promoters do oh, yeah. a great job of making yeah. it a safe environment so like if you're on the fence about those races because of safety don't let that hold you back because yeah. it is a safe environment well it's that, that, my mother needs to listen to that she would, that's perfect mom we're good um yeah, yeah. exactly i would i would love to someday just be able to say i raced at tracks like that i think that'd be awesome just to experience a race in a cart at, at a track like that especially in like a margate because margate oh, yeah. is so historic in america um, well, especially if Rock Island's their backyard. Oh, basically. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think that'd be great. Um, Keith Freeber's been trying to get me out there, so I might, I might, have, to, might have to take him up on something, maybe go out there at some point. So. Keith, if you're listening, don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope. We're going to get him up there eventually. So, Carter, I'll go over to you because we heard a uh, good point from Joe about Carter in the Midwest. 
you and the situation you're in with Margate Ignite, they have a cool program where they have some sort of ownership or sponsorship into USF too, mm-hmm. which I yeah. think is great to promote people to get out. Cause like I know for here, Elliot Cox runs fast here and fast nationally. He had a little bit of help and now he's running a yeah. four series, which I think if you're from here, you need that extra help to get your foot in yeah. the door. But I feel like because of our talent, or from people who race up here's talent, once they're in the situation where they can be in a seat year round, that they yeah. can get to the next level. So tell us a little bit about what Ignite does with the uh, USF2. That yeah, so I, Marge's whole thing with Ignite is to get people acquainted with the cart itself. So like their guys there that they have working on the carts are super helpful. They Their whole goal is to teach you guys, you know, this is what you need to do to get the cart fast. Like this is what we're going to do. And when you're doing this on your own, that's what you're going to do too. Um, and they, they're super helpful and their whole plan of this Ignite series is to move people up, find, get a, get an easier way to make it out of karting and into cars, open wheel cars and up to IndyCar because I mean, obviously racing now is incredibly expensive and it's so hard to get into and, and Ignite is a recent, is a decently inexpensive way to get, you know, good seat time, good experience and they, uh, last year, Evan Stamer and Spike Kohlbecker, uh, graduates from Ignite Series. I raced with them. Those guys are super good. Uh, they were in the USF 2000 Series last year for the first time. They did really well. And, you know, they were learning the cars and still had Ignite backing from karting onto there. So Evan's doing some sports cars and uh, Spike's continuing. And, I mean, it's a great deal. And that's, that's their whole goal in the future is to be able to have an easier path up um, for kids who just want to, who just want to try it out, who don't have the incredible funding that some of these other kids who have huge backing, big teams, people roll up in, you know, 18 wheel haulers to races. I mean, for go-kart, I'm like, there's no way. So they're, they're just trying to make it easier, an easier entry path for people who don't know about it, but want to get involved and think they could be good at it. So, which I think we need more of. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I've had several conversations with Sean about this, of how, and Joe, you've probably noticed this too, in the past, I want to say since probably about 2012 or 13, there's been exponential growth of interest of cutting the Midwest, because it used to be, it used to be big, like when you were talking about when you were a kid, when there'd be 30 shifters in an 80 junior class, which if someone had an 80 junior class, be lucky if you got two carts in it, yeah, no absolutely. matter where you went. So that growth came, and then it went away with the recession in 08, which I 100% agree with, and then it started to come back. I think there's a couple of reasons for it. And I let you guys kind of chime in on what you think that it is. But I think the two biggest reasons for it, well, for shifters, it was big when they had the moto, like it completely blew up. Honda said they weren't going to manufacture anymore. It went away. It's now kind of starting to come back. I know at Supernats we had, what was it like 50 and senior? Yeah, it's 50. 50 and senior. And then master had like what, 20, 22? Yeah. I think there's 20 and master, 50 and senior. Yeah. And then at, KZ. Uh, yeah. And then at, um, Rock Island for, um, king of the shifters they still pull 25 30 and then at quincy which i raced with you this year there was probably about 25 of us so i think the two biggest i want to hear you guys opinion why you think karting is starting to come back now well i mean the biggest thing was 206 honestly i would 100 206 that That was what i was thinking like you know when you said the recession and a lot of people got out of karting you know it wasn't just karting you know gas prices were four dollars a gallon people didn't want to put money in their pickups just to go to the go-kart track you know let alone racing fuel that's twenty dollars a gallon right but uh 206 was huge. I mean, a few years ago, they had like 50, 60 carts in 206 at the KRA races at Newcastle. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yeah. this is absolutely insane every weekend, yeah. you know, in like multiple classes. So, I mean, for an entry level go karting series, I mean, engine like the 206 is the end all be all. 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, you don't have to replace a motor every weekend. You, it's easy right. to work it's on. It's bone stock. You can't yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and back then, and maybe it's the same now. I don't know. I'm like, I'm pretty removed from that. But like, you could get a 15 year old go kart and put a 206 on it and be fast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's plenty of people who do that still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's just the maturation of anything. You know, you get in 206 and you start to figure it out. You get fast. You want to move up to, you know, now KA. And I think KA is also helping out a ton because it's yeah. you know the two cycle entry level cart and you get a ka you run that and then maybe you want to jump to a tag you know x30 and then i mean if you're smart you'll get in a shifter <laughs> <laughs> hear that carter that's the path you got to take now i'd like to try that someday too i mean shifter? i think that'd be fun yeah I, I think there's two guys in this room that could probably help you out <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sure yeah. yeah you can jump in mine and give it a shot but uh <laughs> you know as far as shifter carts go like you know there for a minute honda was huge and oh my then, god! I mean, at Supernats, they had an LCQ for shifter, which I yeah, had, we hadn't crazy. seen for a while. Yeah. So I mean, the Honda got big, and then you know, there was a certain series that kind of phased them out and brought in this other engine that may or may not have tried to kill shifter karting in America. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. But uh, you know, but, but then you have Rock. Rock has tons of shifter carts every weekend. I mean, they're kind of falling off a little bit now, but I mean, still 20, 25 seniors. And There's what, 30, Sean, at the past two rock events we've been at? 20-ish? Yeah, I mean, solid fields, yeah. you know, for a winter series. Um, but you know, it's starting to come back around, too. I mean, there was, like you said, there's 50 KZs at KZ, or KZ seniors, pro KZ, whatever you want to call it, at uh, Super Nats. And then, you know, hopefully at Pro Tour, it'll be the same and the stars is trying to grow it too stars is a great series they're trying to grow the shifter cart stuff you know you have guys like you know, greg bell he's coming all the way from california to run the stars races so i mean what's that tell you well he's going from california then all the way to new jersey he's going to be the farthest race he has to drive to yeah literally across the entire country yeah so i mean he's got a young stud of brent cruz is running for him so i mean can't blame him i yes this is very true i'd watch brent cruz race anything uh <laughs> i have seen him run a lot uh, Carter, so I'll ask you, cause you've been in that 206 scene, you're part of that wave that's coming in, probably yeah. the tail end of the wave. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of people come to the track? Cause I mean, Joe and I, when we ran SRA races, there'll be a whole bunch of people come up to us and be like, Hey, what's a serious thing about getting into it? And you never see them again. But for you, you've been around it. Are there people who come out who are, are maybe interested in getting into it and then they do come back and race or how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen a ton of people, um, even, even one of our friends at Purdue, um, he was interested in it and he said, Hey, like, you know, what's this whole, you know, Briggs and Stratton deal, 206, and now the Margay series, and I was like, yeah, just come try it out. It's super easy. Um, they had never done anything with carts before, so they were like, oh, yeah, this is this is perfect. Um, and we see new people all the time, honestly, like new people who have never done it, families, dads and sons come out, and they've never done it, and they love it because it's so simple, and it's inex it's relatively inexpensive when it comes to racing, so it's like, you can do it pretty simply together. Um, so we had some friends come up from Texas all the way up to Newcastle for one, the Newcastle race in September, I think. The WKA? Yeah. yeah. And it was their first time doing it, and they did the Ignite Series with the 206 engines, and they'd never really, like, they had worked with a uh, tag before, and they stepped down. It was this, uh, this guy's son who wanted to try it out, and 
they loved it. They were, you know, they was just easy to work on and they had a great time and it's fun, fun to drive. Not as fast and exhilarating as shifters or anything like that, but yeah, I mean, the door to door racing though. Oh yeah. The, no, the racing is the fantastic. Pack racing yeah. Is a whole yeah. different ball oh, to learn. Absolutely. You yeah. could be racing for the win or you could be ra- running for 30th and you're yeah. still beating doors and running oh, yeah. side to side. I mean, you can't beat that. No, awesome. uh-uh. I mean, especially at places like Newcastle, especially here too. I mean, do you have a good group of guys here that come every weekend and it's like, everybody's going to be fast all the time and everybody's going to be passing each other all the time. Everybody has a chance to win fast places. Like when we did battle at the brickyard, I mean, drafting bump drafting, it was incredible. Like you'd have draft trains, like three by three, like six rows deep, like everybody's just hauling. So it's, it's awesome. The racing is, can be beat, especially in go-karting. So, well, I'm going to throw someone else and I'm going to spin this over to Sean. We're going to do this. Uh, talk about Ohio. Cause you're from there at the two Oh six and how that's kind of grown it. Yeah, so I grew up, as we mentioned in some of the older podcasts, I grew up racing at OVKA in Camden, Ohio, which was really kind of the home of Midwest karting for a long time, especially in Ohio. We had WK was founded there, and OVK started in 1964. So we had all sorts of big names that all started there. I know Sarah ran there as well as Circleville in Ohio uh, at that time. And then we had a bunch of the big names in national karting came from OVK at the time. But as things got more expensive and everybody kind of moved on, it kind of started shrinking. And I think 206 is really what brought it back because it became really a Yamaha-focused track. When I started racing, it was all it was all Yamaha. And then Yamaha started getting more expensive and started phasing out, and so the club started shrinking. So then when 206 came in, everybody's like, hey, maybe I can run 206. You know, my Yamaha's not worth much anymore. Or Yamaha's getting too expensive or... 206, easy. We throw a 206 on, it's perfect for this track. So I really think 206 is what saved a lot of the clubs in the Midwest. I would agree with that, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see great turnouts every single weekend, no matter what track you're at for 206, for sure. I mean, it's it's awesome for people to come out and try something new, even if they've never done it before. Yeah, I mean, you have a 206, you, you own a 206, yeah. and your buddy wants to come try it. Yeah. Yeah, just come on. I mean, you're not going to hurt it. You can strap it on any chassis too, really. You just put it on there and it's like, all right, fits. It's going to be great. So, I mean, and it's going to be competitive too. I mean, you're going to be fast no matter what. It's a lot harder to have your buddy come out and jump in your shifter car and be like, all right, go burn some laps. Yeah. I mean, this engine (laughs) costs $6,000. So if you blow it up, you owe me six grand. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 206 or even like a KA, you're not going to hurt it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just go out and try it. And if you like it, you know, I think the KA it's, I think it's all like one big wave is how I see it as my dad calls it like a seven year wave. You're in karting for seven years tops, unless you're someone who's a BA who stays around, maybe can't get into cars, but like you, you perfect example, you get a job, you love the sport, you want to stay involved you keep coming back. I mean, your kids are just not getting into it. So I'm sure they get the bite of the bug and then their ruck name is going to continue on. So you get bit, you never stop. (laughs) Yeah. So when my kids are running shifters against your kids and they get (laughs) waxed by the rucks, they'll know the pain. But, um, I think it's one big wave, like what Sean was talking about of how people get involved in 206. I think then some guys are content with that. Like if they have a job, they just want to do this for fun. They stay in it. Then you have the kids who get into it and like, what's the next step? Like you're talking about the KA. I think that's a perfect stepping stone for them to go up. I think one of the problems in the Midwest why we don't have a lot of big names is that the top class right now, aside from shifter is X 30, which the only place you can get within about five to 10 people to race with maybe 20 on a good day is out at Newcastle here. Nowhere else in the Midwest has a good X 30 field. And that's just because I think of the environment that we're in. Most everyone wants to be in either the KA or the, um, two Oh six, just because how reliable it is. But Joe, you've run the KA you've, what do you think that is going to do for the series and the Midwest going forward? 
Well, I mean, the K really hasn't even, I mean, it's starting to catch on at Newcastle now. Like I ran a couple of races out there in K last year and I think we had like, like 10 or 12 carts. It was good. You know, it wasn't great, but I, I mean, I just see it getting bigger. I know like the problems with uh, like just getting engines right now. Yeah. That, that was one of the biggest problems last year is there probably would have been 10 more KAs on the grid, but no one could get engines at one point during yeah. the season. But uh, I just see it getting bigger. I mean, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. There's a lot of guys that are still holding on to their Yamahas out there. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I just feel like they're probably going to just, you know, move over to the KA. I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, I don't know how much longer the Yamaha is going to hang on. I mean, maybe Sean has some input on that. Yeah, I think some of the biggest changes that have happened in karting recently came with the phasing out of the Yamaha. Because Yamaha was that middle lane class. You ran leopards you ran some sort of tag class shifters or you ran yamahas yeah that was like the three main classes that you would run and as yamaha started going out yamaha was getting more expensive you had the more affordable easy to introduce in the form of the 206 or you had the still just as fast or faster in the form of the ka that was around the same price as what yamahas were ending up at this point because Yamaha was more affordable. It started out, it was more affordable. As it kind of started phasing out, it started getting expensive. You know, it was a grand 1200 bucks for a rebuild on these motors. Yeah. And it just didn't make as much sense, especially because at the time, the way that the classes were structured, you move from junior to senior and senior was slower. So everybody wanted to run tag, but then tag was too expensive to move to tag. So everybody was looking for somewhere to go. And then as Yamaha phased out, you got into KA or 206. You wanted more affordable 206. You wanted fast, you got KA. And it was... I think that was really what made this big change in karting was around the time that Yamaha started going down. Yeah, and at the at the club level, a lot of guys steer more towards affordability than going faster. You know, like at Newcastle, I think a lot of the guys that run a Yamaha, I saw go to 206 just because it's more affordable, you know. And they're not, I mean, they're running, you know, local races at Yamaha. They're just out there to have fun, you know. I mean, it's obviously super competitive. But at the end of the day, they're trying to have fun. So why spend more money on this package when you can spend more less money on the 206 and race against 50 people and have fun? You know, so, I mean, I still think the KA is going to get bigger as it goes on, like as the Yamaha oh, phases out, because I think they still have like a decent Yamaha class at, at Newcastle right now. I'm not positive, but I think they yeah, do. Yeah, they pull a decent amount. And I know out here it was kind of hit or miss throughout the season of how many Yamahas. I mean, you'd have one race where 15 would show up and the one where four would show up. So it's in that like phasing out stage where there's some people holding on to the fact they don't think Yamaha is ever going away. I think it is going away. I think we're probably the last major area that has them, as much as that pains me to say, because I know that used to be the bread and butter that everyone used to ran oh, when, yeah. when I was younger. Um, but I think that the K will take over. And I think what Sean was saying too is kind of the reason why X30 hasn't really taken off because if you go down to the coastal areas, like if you go down to Miami, a lot of people have money. You go out to Southern California, a lot of people have money. You go out to the East Coast, a lot of people have money. So they can afford to, when you're talking about, go from a junior to a senior in a KA, you say, want to go faster. Well, out here, a lot of guys do the cost, you know, the fun per, fun per price dollar tag, and they go run a 206 with 40 other people and have a blast. While the kids who are trying to get serious, they go run an X30, now you're running against four people. So your two options are either stay in the KA, go to 206 or run like and a Grands and hope to get attention, or you bite the bullet and run shifter because there's always been a good shifter, um, decent amount of carts out here. But I think that's kind of where it's going. And I'm, like we were talking about with Stars with the KA program, we saw it through the year of how Stars at the first race, I mean, they always had a good um, KA program, but even with Masters, like you ran the Masters class at Newcastle, they had a decent amount. Yeah, I mean, we had a good following the whole season. I think the least amount we had all year was like, 10 i mean it's not huge but it was a, it's a new series it's growing yeah um and it was all quality cars good drivers and everything you know 
Um, and I just see that getting bigger this year. I think, oh, I think 100%. people are catching on that stars is an awesome series. Yes. You know, like, I haven't heard anybody say that stars is not good to me. It's the best series in the country right now. So I, I think mean, I can speak for Sean and I and say that's probably our favorite series to go to. Just it's relaxed. It's fun, but it's still competitive racing. Yeah. It's relaxed and fun, but at the same time, you know, like the on track racing is national level racing. Absolutely. Without the national level stress in the pits, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, at the end of the day, like that's exactly what I want. Yeah. hundred percent. And Carter, you've seen a lot of people coming into the 206 program. How many people have you seen kind of like graduate, I guess you could say to the KAs or the tags or maybe even shifter if they decide they want to have some fun. Actually a lot. Uh, even a lot of the ignite guys, I will say they go try out a, um, a tag or they'll try out a KA and they'll love it. Um, I know, uh, Margay runs some KA with their guys who come up from ignite. They'll give them a couple races to try it out. Um, and if, see if they like it, they want to continue. Um, and I think that's a good, I think that's a good stepping, stepping point for people who come from the 206 class. I think the 206 class teaches you a lot about like as a driver, at least a lot about cart control because it's so low RPM and most of the carts that run with 206 motors, I mean, at least that I've run have, are low grip. So you got to learn how to control the RPMs and the carts. You don't, you know, scrub speeds. Yeah, kill, yeah. It's all about momentum, especially with those motors. Um, and that, that does benefit the racing a lot too. A lot of people worrying about momentum swinging around each other. It's, it's pretty crazy. So, I mean, I, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a decent amount of people go on up and they fare pretty well in the, in the bigger classes when they go up. So, yeah. Yeah. And something I want to get one more topic about classes, then we're going to talk about series out here. Uh, Joe, I know, I don't think you and I have had this conversation. I've had it with a lot of people who've run shifter. It's not because I don't want to, it's because I don't see you a whole lot until this show. I started doing more national stuff. Um, the shifter class was huge when we had the motos. And like you said, I'm not going to repeat what you said because I'm trying not to stir up any drama again. Um, but they, it was, they can come at me. I don't care. <laughs> but it was big when they had the motos and then a certain engine came in that had more power and it kind of faded it out. I've driven that engine a couple of times last year. I raced it at Quincy and I think I was where you were on a 175, were you? You were on a, I was on a KZ. You were on a KZ. I think me or one of the local, uh, I can't remember the guy's names either run out. there were the fastest ones on a 175 mm-hmm. and it kind of seemed like a line where I just couldn't go any faster. Yeah. I think that's all. I mean, there's a lot of that in the, in the tuning of that engine too, which, you know, a lot of that's in the carb and even you can get down the rabbit hole in that obviously. I mean, I don't really want to get into all that too much, but I just, I don't think that people liked having an engine shoved down their throats. No, I would agree with that. that, I think that was one of the biggest things. Like, you know, they were pretty much like, you have to run this engine. You're not going to run with us. And people were like, all right, well then we won't, you know, we'll go run with somebody else. Um, but you know, then they started letting KZs run in that same series. And then a lot of people started coming back because they're like, okay, we can run a proper engine again. That's what we want to do. And, I think now that, you know, the KZ is the main class in the country again, you can see that's where all the carts are going. They also consolidated pro and semi-pro into just one class now. Mm-hmm. So that helps your cart numbers. Everybody, you can run whatever manufacturer KZ you want. You know, if you want to run the TM, the Modena, the IAMI, you can, you know, they all have a KZ engine now, so you can do whatever you want, you know? Yeah, so. which, I mean... I hate that moto's gone away, but again, just like people are in yeah. Yamaha, you got to accept that it's it's gone to the ways of road racing, which is where classes go to die, it seems like, but they still have a good number. I love the moto, by the way. Oh, I did not I want to see it go I was a huge away. moto advocate. It was, a, it was I also a had a really time. good one. 
and you did. That makes you a did. difference. I mean, but honestly, that makes a huge difference. Like, yeah. If you got a good one, then well, and it's you were been fine. around so long that had that time to figure out who made good engines, what engines were good, yeah, um, what cylinder heads were good. But yeah. like you were talking about the one seventy five and the tunability of it, I th- agree with you that what happened with it is it was shut down. People started said they're not going to run, and then people went to KZ. But at the same time. I'm, I think KZ should always have a class like it did when there was Moto. There was Moto and then there was KZ, which they were the two top dogs when he went out to Supernats or anything with Scusa. But at the same time, I'm glad that there's a lot of shifters back, but I wish there was a class like the Moto where it was a as bulletproof as you can get shifter engine that was still widely used. Like the Rock engine, I think, is bulletproof. Obviously, is never going to take up the Rock engine. No. But I feel like there needs to be that class that's... I don't want to use the word affordable and shifter because nothing's usually affordable, but something that's more affordable than a KZ. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's when you get back into spec racing and like, there's no such thing as spec racing. You know, like they're always going to find something Mm -hmm. like there was a post circulating around on Facebook this week of a rock engine that had been worked on. Um, and it was supposed to be spec, you know, rock is supposed to be, you know, a spec series. So that, that's the problem. I mean, do you want a, reliable shifter engine on the national level like it's not going to happen that's not where you go for reliable shifter engine racing like you're going to have your stuff on kill mode if you want to win right so i mean you can make a kz super reliable just run it super fat all the time yeah like if you're running at a local club race or a regional race just riching it up and you can run it all day no problem but you know you're going to be down multiple mile per hour if you go run newcastle which is a power track you know you're going to be running it on kill mode. You're probably going to blow it up at some point. Right. Like that's just part of it, but you don't go race the pro tour to save money. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's the only issue with that argument on, you know, if you want a reliable shifter engine, they're reliable. They're all reliable. Yeah. But you can tune them to not be reliable. Uh, I would agree with that. I agree with that. Same. I guess it's me wishing that we had another class like moto where there were so many of them where people come out and run them. Like obviously we're seeing it now. What I don't want to see is another engine war. Like we kind of saw a little bit with KA and VLR where we had, and Sean can contest to this too, where the VLR was good, then the KA, then this and that. And you had to do the upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. Well, TAG's been doing that for the past 10 years. I mean, it used yeah, to be. Yeah, that's true. Oh, this is a Rotax track. So everybody go get the Rotax out. Or this is a Leopard track or Sonic or whatever. You know, like there was oh, just different. Oh, Sonics. There was just different tracks that, you know, if you didn't have all three engines, like don't even bother showing up, you know? Yeah. And you're not going to have that problem in KZ. I mean, like, you're probably going to show up with whatever you have. And, like, they're all, you know, they're all fairly even engines. Like, right. TM is the king overseas right now, but it's cyclical, you know. Modena might be super fast, or IAMI, the new screamer, might be super fast. And, you know, they, they get phased out, what, every three years or something, something like, like that? that yeah. So, you know, there's new versions of these engines coming out. But uh, I don't really see there being really an engine war anymore because you know you can run any of them but they're all fairly even right you know there's not nobody is going to i don't say grand junction and they're like man my tm sucks this weekend i gotta go throw an iami on and i'll probably be fast like that's not happening in shifter carts right like it was in tag well i guess i worded that wrong what i meant to say was as far as not on a national standpoint as a local level here. Yeah. It used to be the moto was, what do you want to do in a run shifter? You get a moto. You always had the option for KZ, but that seemed to be like the national side. I guess why I shouldn't say that for national. I worded that wrong. I should say as far as something as like a go-to for here, but I completely understand what you're saying with that. And the more I thought about it too, after I said engine war, it's not like how it was when we were kids when right. were, like we're talking about with tag, which was perfect. Um, but I mean, 
I guess what it was easier to sell people on to get them into a shifter out here when I was a kid was you could say motors reliable parts easy to get. Yeah. But now what you're saying with how you can like fatten them up. I haven't think about that, which me being a former mechanic, I should have. Um, I think it's just like people are in like a shell sock stage and it seems like it goes to national first and then it waves out to the local stuff. But I mean, I've always been a shifter guy. I really want to see shifters go back to the world in the Midwest. I just wish that there was a fallback class that was similar to Honda, which I know there's not going to be. Yeah. I mean, you can still go buy a Honda and go run club races, though. I mean, yeah. they're a dime a dozen now. And, yeah. I mean, to be honest, like I, we were talking before the pod started, I went out and ran a shifter race at Newcastle last last year, and there was like 15 shifters. Yeah. And it was everything. There was some Hondas. There were some Rocks. There were some KZs. They had it all. You know, it's different weight breaks and stuff. But right. um, you could still go. I mean, I'm pretty sure John Crow or uh, no, it was Tim Hollowell was running a Honda out there and winning races. Yeah. So, I mean, that's Tim, also Tim Hollowell. Tim's good. Yeah. Tim's a good driver, but still, I mean, yeah, still winning races on a Honda. No, I'd agree with that. hundred percent. Cardi want anything as far as shifters go. I know you're a big shifter guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, <laughs> that's your guy's area of expertise. I wish, I wish I knew a bit more. I don't know how much that. of an expert. I am. You guys, you guys are big time experts on this type of stuff. You don't just, I still need to get the experience. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to talk about a little bit is series wise because, Joe can probably contest this more than anyone here. I know as a kid, I've seen a lot of series come and go. And I know that the, usually about seven years is the 10 year they hold. Obviously, stars, uh, um, which isn't similar to old stars, recently just came out and they're starting to grow. I feel like they're going to be on the same level eventually as uh, Skuza and USPKS. I don't think it's there right now. I think it's still going to be growing. Not saying it's not going to hit in two years from now, but I think it's on its way there. I know stars before that, which was nothing to do with the stars now, was like a class where you run when we were, um, it was like a super series or did yeah, you even re- run regional. stars? The uh, stars that, not stars now, oh, stars, like, like the Zach Shift days. Snap on stars of guarding. Back yeah. In the no, I didn't run any of that. that but was, that was like, that was above that my, uh, blew out of nowhere and then it went away. But that was a good example of it. But now, so the big three, or I guess four, and the U.S. is probably uh, Skuza, hands down. And then you have Rock, if you're down south. You have uh, CKNA for 206. And I think Stars is like a regional series. But I think what's hard for people to do is that all of them, for the most part, I mean, Rock runs all Vortex engines, which is the VLR, the Rock Shifter, the Micro Swift. Skuza runs all AME, so it's the um, 175, or now it's Open KZ, KA, and then the... Uh, the IME version of the mini rock. And then you have a series like stars, which is a combination of everything. And I guess it's hard if you're trying to go from running in the Midwest to go to regional series and then try to go to the national, you have a good break of where you can go from here to stars, run whatever you want to do. But then you got to decide, do I go down South or do I go out East or sorry, out West to uh, run a national series. And so I guess my question is, should there be a better stepping stone for people who try to go from running the club series to the regional to the national? Well, I think the next step would be uh, stars. I mean, that'd that'd be a perfect place to go. Like if you're, you know, you're running really well at the club level, um, the next step is you run regionals, which is uh, stars. Let me rephrase that question. Do you think there's too many series and too many engine classes in order to try to make it or just in general? Because you have like you go to a local race and there's like 15 classes. Yeah. But local races are also catering to a lot of different, you know, I would agree uh, with that, you know, different categories i guess yeah you know so they you know you show up with a yamaha they're gonna let you run your yamaha you show up with this and let you run that you know but um 
I do think there probably are too many big series. You know, really, you have USPKS, Scusa, and Rock. Like, those are the three big national series, right? Uh, Scusa is bread and butter, is shifter carts, but is kind of leaning more towards tag now because just that's where the numbers are. Uh, USPKS is all single speed and has huge numbers. And I, I've never been to one of their races, but from everything I hear, they have a really well-run series. Um, is that like Route 66's national series? Is that what that is? Yeah, Route 66 and USPKS are one and the same. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, like the re- regional just for route. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I haven't been to any of those races, but it seems like a well-run series. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about it. I've, I've heard nothing but good things about USPKS, and they, they're consistently pulling huge numbers now. Huge. Huge yeah. numbers. I think it, one of the fields at Newcastle, I want to say, was almost 70K seniors. Wow. Yeah, and it's across the board. I mean, it's like every class has minimum of 20 carts, which is crazy. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've only ran a couple of rock races, which that was a couple of years ago, but so I don't really know too much about that. It's, you know, you talk to people that like Scusa, they hate rock. You talk to people that like rock, they hate Scusa. So, I mean, you're not going to – people run both of them, but, you know, people have pretty strong opinions on both of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always leaned towards Scusa, but maybe that's just because I ran Scusa since like 2001. So it's kind of like near and dear to my heart, like back in the Terry Riggins, Jim Murley days. You know, yeah. And it's a far different series now oh, than 100%. it was back then. Like, you know, I really enjoy the Pro Tour races, like when they're over. I like, <laughs> I look back on it and I was like, you know, this is cool. I, I hate that the weekend's over after all the stress of the weekend, but they are super high stress, but very high reward too, if you do well. Um, but if you don't do well, you look back on it and you're like, man, I just spent five grand on that weekend to get my head kicked in basically. But on top uh, of, you know, us going out at, in Vegas and doing other things. Yeah. But that makes it <laughs> fun at least. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's also another thing is like you get to travel around the country and run really cool tracks. Um, like you get to go to Utah and like a beautiful backdrop of the mountains. You get to go to Vegas, which is Vegas. Uh, you get to come to beautiful Newcastle, Indiana, um, which the track is one of the best in the country. Yes. You know? And the cornfields. And the cornfields so are better. a great view in the back. Yeah, they got yeah, cows yeah. now too. That's true. Uh, yeah. yeah. That barn right next door. Yeah. And you get to go to the Steve Alford Inn. Oh, <laughs> one in a million. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like stepping stones for series go, like, I don't, there's not really, I mean, I guess you go route 66 and stars for like your regional level stuff. And I don't know if stars will ever get to like the Scusa level. And I don't know if they need to. I don't think they want to. I don't really want them to. No, I I like the family atmosphere with the intense on track racing. Yeah. So I don't really bring my kids to Scusa races. I got (laughs) to, for people that don't know, I have a six year old and a three year old boys that are wild, but I bring them to stars races without a second thought. And everyone in the pits knows my kids, you yeah. know, and I, and I feel safe with my six year old riding a scooter around in the paddock, you know, with and, you know, people will be, you know, I feel like people keep an eye on him. Not that I don't watch my own kid, but like I don't I wouldn't let him do that at a scooter race. Oh, well, we were we were at the stars race at Newcastle and your son showed up on a bike in a Mohawk helmet and came and went and fishing with us for exactly. about two hours. <laughs> exactly. So it's like a huge family atmosphere, yeah. you know, yeah. Um I think it was Megan Olds maybe sent me a message and it was, she was like, Hey, your son's out here fishing. I just want you to let you know, as I'm thrashing on my go-kart, changing engines with like a huge storm rolling in. And I was like, okay, cool. But you know, you don't get, you don't get that family atmosphere besides your tent basically at these national level races. Um, and you get that at local and regional level races. And 
I think that is really something that people should think about when they're thinking of moving from the local races to a regional race to a national race. You know, you don't think about that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's that's a huge part of it for me. Well, and also Stars had that awesome chili cook-off on the uh, last round they had at Pittsburgh. Well, they do was, something every night, pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, out at um, uh, Newcastle, they have like a margarita night or something. Yeah. And, and I think Scusa does that, too, on like one night. But, um, you know, we were doing that. Like, people were hanging out in each other's tents, having beers and stuff every night. Like, yeah. You know, I'll go around and talk to people. People come over and talk to us. You know, it's, everyone's hanging out. It's a good time. It seems like with Scusa, when the race is over, you leave and then go have your fun. But like at a Stars race, when the race is over, everyone hangs out, shoots the crap, and then has a good time. And I mean, I think CKNA is there, but for a different type of class. Obviously, it's only 206. So I want to bring Carter back in. Do you, th- what is your take on all this? So someone, I don't want to call you really an outsider, but you're the 206 class. Yeah. But what do you, what's your take on all this? Do you think there's too many series or what do you think should be done? No, I think I like the diversity of the series. Um, I, I agree with the whole family aspect. There are definitely differences when you go. I think I've only done three. I think I've done uh, uh, WKA, CKNA, and then SCUSA. I think I've done SCUSA one time. Um, and it's a totally different as- atmosphere for each one. Uh, the people who work there or the people who come to race, like, you know, at the bigger, the bigger like, yeah, SCUSA, like you were saying, events, you walk in and, you can serious. you can tell people are there to do business and you know i'm you know i'm there to do well but you know i want to enjoy my time get to know some new people and you know have fun on the racetrack with other people um but i think i think cKNA has done a good job uh with their two of six racing because like i every every race i go to there's you after the race you're chatting with everybody everybody's like yeah you see that out on turn six that's great you know, everybody's having a good time, especially throughout the weekend, after the weekend, having great conversations, meeting new people. I mean, in some of those national races, I mean, I've met a lot of, lot of really awesome people that I still see when I, we go back to those racetracks. So I, I, I agree. It's definitely a different vibe and different series, but I think, I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I guess what my thought is that what would happen if they, this would never happen, but if like all the guys that ran rock, and all the guys are in SKUs that kind of combine together in one class, there'd be a whole lot of entries and a lot of, I, again, I'm looking from the shifter standpoint, there'd be a lot of shifters out there, but again, I can dream on. I think there'll always be a diverse classes as long as certain people are still running certain series. Um, like you were talking about with stars, I don't really want to see it get to the level of national because I'm afraid if they get to become a national series, <clears throat> excuse me, you'll have the national atmosphere come into it. Right. There's always been, there's always been a series that breaks off of Scusa and tries to make another national series. Yes. And right now it's rock. Before that, it was... It was uh, Rotax, wasn't it? No, it was... Uh, what was it? United Pro Kart Series or something like that. Oh, yeah. I can't remember what it was. US... The US Open? Yes. Yeah. Yes, US Open. And then Stars did the same thing. And they have tons of success for a few years. And then they just kind of go away. And I don't know if Rock's going to do that or not. They might stay around forever, but... I feel like there's always one of these series that breaks off of Scusa and tries to make another national-level series. Yeah, and I mean, I think 206 is going to play a factor into that. Obviously, I have may or may not have had my run-in with uh, people who run 206 at Stars events, but we won't get too far into that. <laughs> um, 
So we have some questions coming. <laughs> I forgot about these. First off, I need to apologize if your wife is listening to this about how much beer I've mooshed off of you guys throughout the season. I know uh, when she brought those bush <laughs> apples, I may have you torn drink into those. All those are terrible. I mean, I had a. That was my first time having them. The first two were good, and then after that, it I could feel it in my stomach. Yeah, they're terrible. And then we went out and got margaritas and daiquiris after that, and that was a whole different story. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't know. So. <laughs> yeah, Carter doesn't drink here. Uh, and then out at at uh, Supernats, obviously, as soon as the game came on, I may have slipped over by your toolbox and grabbed a couple of bushes. <laughs> I, there's always a cooler full of bush light in the Rook tent. That's a guarantee. Uh, this is 100% true. I, I just usually have to find your wife, and then I'll be like, where's your tent at? And then I'll yeah, she'll hook it up. All right, so... Um, we had a couple of questions when we did our Instagram poll. If you haven't yet, um, go ahead and follow Sean at Adrenaline Motorsports Media. Did I say that right? 100%. Spell it. <laughs> You're very funny. Nice <laughs> <laughs> try. You can also follow his personal at The Real Sean Burkle. Mine is Midwest Mike, which I also do updates on this series as well, along with what I do announcing wise for Car Chase and other projects I have going on. My personal is at CalebSmock28. But these questions come from Instagram from both this questions for both of you. How has racing influenced your life and what are your goals from it? So we'll let Carter can go first. We'll take it to Joe. Uh, yeah. I mean, racing's definitely been a massive impact on my life. That's for sure. I mean, I try to think sometimes like what, like my family life would be like without racing. And I just cannot think of like any moment of my day where I w- would like, where I don't think about racing. So Racing has been a huge, huge factor in my life. That's for sure. And I think, I think getting things from it, um, probably, I mean, it grows your character. That's for sure. I mean, it's a whole different type of sport. I mean, it puts people through a lot, but brings people really close together throughout that experience. Um, and I know, I mean, my family has been through a lot of that, you know, racing hardship up and down, but then back on the top and then back to the bottom. It's a whole different, whole different roller coaster. So, and it, and it just brings people closer and it's a big family. It's one big carnival family. So I think that's a really cool part about racing in people's lives. Yeah. I mean, my life has literally revolved around racing since I was six years, six years old. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even before that, when my dad was racing, my mom was pregnant with me at the go-kart track. <laughs> so like since I was born, I've been at the racetrack and up until I got married, I based all my decisions around racing, whether that's a good thing or not. I don't know, but, uh, um, I mean, I, I, that's all I, that's what I live and breathe and think about all day. Even as a, like a semi retired go-kart driver now, like I still think about it all the time. That's all I think yeah. about. Um, and now I'm trying to bring my kid into it. You know, this is going to be Jace's my six year old's first year, um, racing, so that makes I'm super me feel so old because I remember <laughs> I can't imagine for you, but I remember when he yeah. was born. Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited to hopefully keep it going in the family, and uh, you know, racing has literally been my whole life. So yeah, and that one came from uh, Jenna Tommy, who is a pit reporter for Kart Chaser. This one is from Alexis Rule, so I think you know where this one's going, Joe. Uh, this can go for both of you, but Carter, you don't uh, you don't drink. Uh, <laughs> would you rather go no bush life for the rest of your life or no racing for the rest of your life? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I used to drink Bud Light, so I oh, guess. No. Like, he thought I, about that one a lot. Yeah, he can did. I drink, can I drink Bush Heavy? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't specify, so sure. Right. Well, I mean, I can I can find a new beer, I guess. I mean, I'm Bush not Heavy gonna, means you'll be running Master Heavy. I need it. That's <laughs> what uh, so I told you. I've trying. I've been cultivating mass. I'm trying to take lead off my cart. So maybe I need to stop drinking Bush Light in general and start drinking Bush Heavy. But racing's going nowhere, so I'll find another beer, I guess. <laughs> All right, Carter, 
See, I, I, I can I can live without the, the bush light. Okay, I'll, I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, this can go for both of you, too. This one's for Ace Liberante. How many bush lights does it take to start a party? Uh, six. Six? Yeah. How many for Ace do you think? Uh, half of one. No comment. Uh, <laughs> what about you, buddy? What do you think? I, I, I'm going to go in the lower four to five range, I think. I th- four or five? I mean, you you have a good time on a couple probably, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you've seen me. See, that's the thing I don't like about him being sober all the time. Is that I remember everything. It, that's what I don't <laughs> yeah, like. It's always here. How many do I throw down before I actually like get wild? See, I don't know if I've been around you when you've gotten very wild. That was in my younger days. Yeah. <laughs> six um, is the tipping point. If you have six, you might as well keep going. I feel like that would be a, a good number. Yeah. Six? All right, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> do you think that one's age appropriate from race? Race. This is a family friendly yeah. podcast. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, from race Liberante. Is it hard? Question mark. Being that Dilfy. It is. Is it? It is. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, you and your wife are very involved with CrossFit, right? Very, very involved in CrossFit and fitness in general. And yeah, I could get down the rabbit hole on that too, but, uh, you start bringing up protein and creatine and pre-workout. Protein and creatine are very important. Absolutely. Uh, pre-workout, black coffee. That's all you need. But <laughs> P1 uh, black coffee, P1 right? P1 coffee will get you amped up. But being a dill is a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> hey, that beard, though. I mean, hey, that's probably right? a lot of people. <laughs> you should have seen him. He had a, uh, looked like a fallen lumberjack. He had the bush light hat, beard, flannel, and a good old, I think it was a, I forget what shirt underneath it. It was probably like a, um, PBR or something. It's probably my shirt that says Dilf on it. I think I think it was. I'm not <laughs> gonna lie. From race, this is for both of you. How much do you bench, bro? Right now, probably two thirty-five, two forty. What about you, buddy? Yeah, I'm not in that range. <laughs> I honestly haven't hit the bench in a while. Uh, I, I I go to the gym about every day. Um, I think last time I benched, I was like one sixty-five. Was like peak. respectable, like peak. Very respectable. So. <laughs> Um, all right, this is for Carter. Favorite experience in racing, and who did you look up to? Not just in karting, everything. Favorite experience in racing? Yeah, from like um, when you were a kid till now. Oh, um, when I was a kid, probably um, seeing Dan Weldon win 2011 Indy 500, I think that was a huge deal. I thought that was really cool. I had always liked Dan from when I was super young. Um, actually a photo of me and Dan together was my dad's iPhone screensaver for like 12 years. So, um, he was always a a big racing hero of mine. So I thought that was really cool to see him win the 500 in 2011. And then, um, currently favorite experience was probably being at Iowa Speedway when Connor qualified on pole for race one in 2020. Um, that was really cool. Just hearing the and also him leading the 500 that was that was also really cool that was insane that was that was really cool i i thought i was going to throw myself over the fence um at the at the track we were sitting we were sitting my mom and i were sitting in the stands down towards turn one and the crowd reaction was my mom was bawling grabbing me and just bawling just like i cannot believe it and i'm like you know this is great so um that that's those two experiences were definitely like Two big, um, big current experiences that I think were cool. Um, a racing person I looked up to, or just anybody in general? Uh, I we can do assume both. racing. We can do both. Uh, racing, probably um, Sam Hornish or Elio Castroneves. Those two were like huge. Was it the sideburns for Sam Hornish? Sideburns and uh, outside moves on large ovals that were really, really fast. Um, that was that, that was always cool. I mean, I wasn't like 
old enough to remember very much of him racing, but now that I'm old enough, I always go back and watch old film of him racing. I think that's really cool. Obviously, he did race with Panther with my dad, um, so that was awesome. And Elio's, Elio's Elio. So I, there's not there's not much you can't like about him. So um, I've always I've always thought he was really awesome as well. So, and this is for both of you as well. Favorite track and why? Mm, Temporary favorite. circuits do count, by the way. Um, track itself, Quincy for sure. Uh, event Rock Island. I would agree with that. We're talking car tracks. It, let's do both for you. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't raised too many car tracks. Uh, car tracks. Uh, Whiteland is definitely peak for sure. Um, Whiteland or uh, Newcastle is always cool. I mean, Newcastle is Newcastle. Um, uh, Whiteland, Newcastle, Daytona. Those three are pretty cool. Um, big time racing circuits. I'd have to, other than the Speedway, um, I'd have to go with uh, Mid Ohio or Road America. Those are very. They're very always good ones. great experiences. Yeah. All right, and then this is for both of you as well, Carter. You won't have a whole lot to go off of, but that's because you haven't gotten a lot of real world experience yet. <laughs> Best chassis and engine that you've driven. Race Factory. Now are you saying that because you have to, or is that actually? Uh, yeah, this is a paid promotion by Race Factory. <laughs> Um, no, I actually really do like my race factory shifter. Um, best engine I ever drove. Um, man, I love my Honda. I had Moto. uh yeah, one Honda shifted like butter flat foot all the way through. It was a good engine. What about you, buddy? Of my like three chassis and two motors I've ever driven. Um, ignite K three chassis. It's always great. Also um, paid promotion. <laughs> it's true though it's true um and the uh the 206 motors although I, I will say driving the ka was really fun that was like an awesome especially here at whiteland those things that here is like pulling out of the corners is incredible so that was that was really cool too wait till we get you in the kz uh <laughs> yeah that, mother that'll, be, that'll be sick yeah <laughs> kz at quincy for you as well your mother's really oh, that, yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> all right and then i'll do this uh final two notes one for both of you, and then Sean, if you want to chime in, just do the hand reach out that you're doing. How do you think we can improve things in the Midwest to get it more of a scene and people more noticed? Whoever wants to go first. Uh, I think the, like my generation, getting it to my generation of kids. How do getting, we do that? See, that's a tough one because my annoying generation at times can be a slow, um, lacking of patience and of like, they don't, a slow attention span. So, but I think if, I think if you if you market it well to kids my age, I think people will get on board once they experience it one time. I think once you get bitten with the bug, obviously, like I said earlier, you can't stop. So I think I think the younger generation is definitely a big factor. I always kind of thought maybe the Purdue Grand Prix would get more people into it than it did. You know, I thought that I thought so too. I think <laughs> I think it's a big party week. I'll tell you that up on campus. I mean, it's a crazy party week. Caleb's grabbing for the mic here. Yeah. Okay. We'll hit over Sean in a second. The Purdue Grand Prix. Let me tell you something about that. So, have you seen the Collegiate GP run out here? Not out here, but I've been to the Grand some... Prix. And <laughs> I have partied. I mean, Grand Prix week for sure. Yeah. Well, so. if you want a, uh, if you want to come back out for when Carter and I run. By the way, if you haven't figured out yet, Carter and I are both on the Honors College Purdue Grand Prix team, 
And I know I'll be competing in it. Carter's the backup driver, but there's some contingency to see if he's going to be running in the main seat. But we'll, we'll, find we'll find out later to come. Um, party week, 100%. The entire week leading up to it, I think I may have made a mistake of agreeing to be a driver for it. Absolutely. Because you can't partake. However, yeah, comma, you ready. as soon as that checkered flag comes down, the helmet comes off, there better be a bush light in my hand You and Mitch somewhere. Daniels right there. That's a combination <laughs> for disaster. My um, man Mitch. But what you're saying about getting people involved, I think the problem with the Purdue Grand Prix is that Oh, I just realized this may be a bad... I got to tread very lightly here. Um, for what I've had conversations with other people, the carts themselves have been so engineered that it yeah. doesn't handle like an actual cart. The roll cage is basically bolted directly to the frame, so there's no flex. It's like driving right. a tank. with, And they use a Yamaha pipe with a jack shaft, uh, crankshaft, which is used in road racing. So you can't roll the throttle. It's either on or off. So I think that may be a deterring. And then the track is very tight and narrow. So people watch it. They're like, oh, this is kind of a joke. And people, it takes a certain type of setup in order to make that work. Obviously, you would know if you basically bolted in both sides of your chassis together, right. it's not going to run that well. So I feel like that's another reason why. We do know a couple of people have gotten into it because of the Purdue Grand Prix. Yeah. But I feel like they're taking more steps now to get more people involved yeah, into it absolutely. as far as the school goes. I feel like this year is going to be a good year and a big year. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they already have 45, 50 entries for it, and it's not even closed off yet. we have, like, what, 25 people on our team in total? Alone yeah. with two carts. Yeah, awesome. So there's getting more people into it. They brought in some new people. Mike Burrell is now on the advisory board, which yeah, I think is a fantastic. good step. Yeah, yeah, having real racers on the board. Someone who's been on a car team, been in IndyCar, I feel like he's going to be a good factor. But I'll hand this back to Sean. Yeah, I think you guys mentioned marketing carding to your generation, Carter. You had mentioned that. I think that's really where it needs to start because yeah. right now there's just not really marketing, period. No, yeah, Carding exactly. is that you got to know somebody that's in it or you have to somehow stumble across it because yeah. I don't know. I can't even count the number of comments. Unfortunately, in my in my lifetime, when kids my age, especially at college now that I've I, people don't know know me, and uh, they're like, so so you do carding? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, K1 Speed, I do that too. And I'm like, well, not really, <laughs> but like, yes, it's stuff like that. It's kind of, it's it kind of yard karting when I was growing up. People, like I told my race go-karts like, Oh yeah, I got a go-kart too. It's out in the shed. I'm like, no. I, I brought a buddy down that I met from college down to Newcastle to watch me race in October, September. Um, and I was like, yeah, come down to the cart ra- cart track. I was like, check it out. It's going to be cool. He's from New York. And he goes, Oh, okay. Yeah. And he gets down and he goes, wow, it's not like hay bales and like tractors. So I was like, no, no. no. <laughs> I was like, this is a real thing. Like, yeah. we're real people. Like, yeah. we the race. first time someone shows up to like a pro tour race, they're like, oh my god, this is like IndyCar. I was like, yeah, about it costs almost as much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I just I think a lot of people don't know that unless you know somebody or you're involved in it. Somebody in your family friend brings you into it. A lot of people don't know. Yeah. I don't think it's marketed all that well. There's obviously advertising within karting, but I think there needs to be more advertising in motorsports. Like when there's a U.S. Grand Prix, there needs to be advertisements, TV advertisements of some sort for karting. Yep. There needs to be indoor karting places advertising for yeah. club races and more of like the a, advertising, pro- a program that gets people yeah. into karting from rentals or from being fans. Right. The advertising for karting is for carters. Exactly. Like they're trying to sell their product to people that are already, already in karting. Yeah. And we need to advertise for people outside of karting. And people always ask karting. too, like, how did the IndyCar drivers get into racing? How did the F1 drivers get into that? Well, they started in karting. Like, everybody starts in karting. But people are like, oh, so it's like indoor karting. Well, no, no, no. It's stuff like that. So. I mean, that's a good step. I mean, yeah. take them to, you know, Fast Times or K1 or, like, Sarah's Place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you take them there, and they like it. You're like, all right, well, 
come yeah. out to the go-kart track and we'll see if you, how much you really like it, you yeah. know? And then that's how you get people hooked. Yeah. You got to set the hook. That's where I think the Ignite program is really good. Yeah. I think that's a good stepping, stepping stone transition from learning yeah. in the rental carts and transitioning your way into actual competition yeah. racing because you don't have to learn how to tune a cart. You don't have to yeah. learn how to do a bunch of driving yeah, dynamics. I mean, it's an easy transition from karting from rentals into professional yeah, especially racing. with Ignite's arrive and drive like option. It's relatively inexpensive and you show up and you have like a ton of people helping you out. Like, Hey, this is what you need to do. This is how the cart's going to work. Like when we were at Daytona, there were like 15 carts in the field who had never done this before. And they were like, they're asking everybody for help and everybody's super nice under the tent. Everybody's willing to help out, you know, share some ideas on how to improve. I mean, it's a great way to get people who don't know about it into it. And then they're like, Oh wow, I, maybe I can, maybe I can do this and maybe it'd be fun. Exactly. And making it a fun and memorable yeah. experience. You oh, don't yeah. want it to be, you know, headaches. Like, why am I slow? Yeah. It's people like, yelling at I'm other people. Fun. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah. People don't come back for stuff like that. So. Exactly. And there's tons of cool content being made, like, you know, by you and all these guys are making like sick content, like awesome highlight videos from every, every pro tour race, every national race has a highlight video afterwards now. And they all look like, you know, beautiful. They're sick. They're awesome. But we need to get those out to other people and be like, look how cool this is, you yeah. know? And that, that's just hard to get out, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I can't even count the number of comments in some of those videos that we make for the stars championship or for cart chaser yeah. where people are in the comments asking, how do I get into this? What kind of racing is this? You know, how do I get started? Yeah. You know, I think just making that transition. And you see people the, in the comments, like I've seen race comment on those before, but like, Hey, you know, I'm in Pennsylvania. I own race factory. We'll point you in the right direction, get a hold of me, or I'll get a hold of you. And like, that's what we need. You know, we need people on social networking, getting to those people that want that. You know, they need, we need to break that barrier to entry to get these people in the sport. Exactly. So I'll go back to Joe real quick. Um, you said the Purdue Grand Prix and obviously marketing. What other ones did you have about how to grow in the Midwest? I mean, growing in the Midwest, I think it's just like just getting people into the sport and then keeping people in the sport, too. If you don't have aspirations to go to IndyCar, mm -hmm. which every kid has aspirations of going to IndyCar, but at some point you're going to be 20, 25, 30 years old and you're not going to IndyCar. Right. Um, and just retaining those people in. Um, and it does get hard when you, you know, you get a mortgage, you get a truck payment, you, you got to pay bills, you know. Um, but that's when like 206 comes in. That's still fairly affordable. Um, so how long till we see you in a 206? Hey, yeah, you come run one. Margay's always got extra cards. I've taken the heat for it, so you can be as brutally honest as you want. This will come back on me. I used to race flathead back in the day. Okay, we're gonna I see you in a LO 206 within the next in the five day. years. I will not run a 206. <laughs> ah. That's that's I'll run a 206 for fun. I'll jump, I'll drive anything with wheels on it for fun. Don't get me wrong. I'm a shifter cart driver through and through, but I ran K this year, which I said I'd never do. So, you know, maybe one of these days you'll see me. It looked like you had a smile on your face. Yeah, it was actually, I mean, I had a, I had a really good time. Um, I'll run a 206. If somebody puts me in a 206, I'll run it. Keith, if you're listening, put me in a 206. I'll run it yeah. at Quincy. I'll run every class. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that leads me to the final note before we sign off here because I think we've blown past our hour mark that we set with. Um at, what are your guys' plans? I mean, obviously we talked before we went live, but what are your guys' plans as far as carting for the this 2022 season? Um, as of right now, uh, Stars probably. Try to run the whole Stars series. And then Quincy, Rock Island. Um, as of right now, that's really all I have for Excuse me. Excuse the Supernats? As of right now, no. That was 
very expensive. And, uh, I mean, unless I can find somebody else to pay for it, I will not be driving. But uh, I'll be available if somebody wants me to come out to help them out. But, uh, like I said, uh, Jace is going to start racing this year. So we're going to do that uh, out at Newcastle, maybe a little bit of Wyland, maybe a little SIRA. I'd like to get him on the streets, too. Um, so I'll run some club stuff with him and then uh, just try to have some fun this summer. Yeah. And just take probably take a little bit of a step back from my racing and focus on him a little bit more. Yeah, you got kiddos coming up, too. Yep. That's when the fun really starts. Yep. What about you, Carter? What are your plans for this year? Obviously, uh, you're going to run Quincy. Well, you know, I'd love to. That's what I was going to say. I'd love yeah. to do Quincy or Rock Island. Lancaster. Uh, <laughs> we're going out to California. Yep. Cali. Wow, that's a long trip. <laughs> uh, no, I already, I already started sort of in Daytona. I mean, I'm going to obviously continue here at Wyland as much as I can. I'd really like to get back to Gateway to do some more races at Gateway. There's super track down there. It'd be sweet to run. Um, we love Newcastle. Run some more Newcastle. So just wherever we can find ourselves a race or wherever Margay is going for the Ignite Series, We'll probably be there. You can find us there. So there's another sweet track right outside of Gateway um, TNT. Have you ever been there? Yeah, they the Ignite series runs there. Yeah. Yeah. A little plug for them. That's a great facility. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's awesome. Yeah. So they I'd, they put a bunch of money into it recently. Yeah. Repaved it, new curbs, everything. So it's. I mean, I haven't been there in a while. Um, I've been there since I've been to Norway. Yeah, Smith Brothers. Uh, they rate uh, Phil Smith. He races out there sometimes, and it looks like a really good time. Yeah, they are huge promoters for the Quincy Quincy race out there. Yep. A um, little bit for me, I'll hand it over to Sean. I don't even know if you're running this year. No, you're not? We'll get you in something. He'll be in something. But I think uh, my plans right now are to run um, Quincy with you. Obviously, um, I was within half a second of you, which if I looked back at 14-year-old me and said I was in half a second of Joe, that's a <laughs> giant win in my books. So I'm going to see if I can't maybe <coughs> stir the pot up with you guys. And then I think I'm going to try to run Rock Island as well. Maybe a couple of uh, 206 races out here. So, Sean, you don't have anything that you're going to do? He's going to take pictures and videos. He's, if he, he's the best one in the nation to do that, by the way. It's true. If you haven't the known. man behind the lens. He is. We need to do a behind-the-scenes KC with, like, you and have, like, someone just follow, follow you around and see what yeah. you do for the day. Cause do you know how much squatting this guy does? Yeah, I mean, look at his thighs. He's I always like, come around the corner and look up, and I'm like, oh, there's thighs. Sean. <laughs> I will probably be in a wheelchair by 37. <laughs> We gotta get at you, this rate. We gotta get you in touch with the knees over toes guy. He'll save your knees for you. <laughs> that'd be that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah, I uh, I take a back brace with me on the plane, so that way I'm not dying on the way home. <laughs> but no, I, as as far as planes this year, it's just photo video stuff, and then trying to break from carting into cars at this point. I would I would love to jump in a cart, preferably a 206, because at this point I could jump into 206 and still be competitive. It's been too many years since I've driven something with horsepower to still be any good <laughs> for a one-off and a KA or anything higher. Uh, but I'd love to jump in a 206 and just go have some fun in a race this year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do have a 2000, a barely used 2018 Alonzo cart with a lightly used KA 100 full package. All you have to do is lube the chain, lube the bearings, and you're ready to race today. It's in the lobby here at Wyland. It's in the lobby here at Wyland. If you'd like to buy it, it's for sale at the time of this recording. Race it today outside right now. Yeah. 30 degrees. Ice, ice on the ground. It's ice. With ice on the ground, it'll be a lot of Put fun. Put some wets on her. She's good to go. All that horsepower to the rear wheels, you'll be Tokyo drifting the whole way around. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd just like to point out that if you do not buy that cart, that engine will be on one of my carts used at the Quincy Indoor Rock Island Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, too, gentlemen, for coming out. Obviously, with this weather. I mean, Carter, you just had to sit in the seat of my car yeah, and drive right. down here. But, Joe, thank you for coming down here. I'm sure we're going to see you out on the track. Uh, we want to do more podcasts as the season goes on. There's some... 
possible new connections we may have down the road uh, with some series or sorry, some companies that Sean and I work for, see if we can make this a little bit more consistent. Um, I definitely want to get you back. I want to do, ideally, I'd like to do one with you, Chase and Ray Silverante, but I know Pittsburgh's kind of far for him to get out here. Um, but I feel like if I have you two, he's self-employed, man, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> hey, on the Casey happy hours on, he's just, I just swiped the credit card. Yeah, I just exactly. swiped the credit card. Yeah. Uh, but I would like to get one of you three out here. Uh, tell us some of your stories. That one may have to have some guidelines on it as far as age restrictions for language <laughs> and other stories that are told. Um, but obviously, uh, want to get you three Carter, you and I got some, uh, we're going to get really close in April as the Grand Prix yeah, comes around. Hey, we're going to be, we're going to be ripping that track this in the coming months. I can't for sure. wait for rookie orientation when you and I get to be on track. The with all whole the day, the whole day. I need to come out for that. I haven't been to Purdue oh, in a while. Hey, no food allowed at the pit lane though. So. Yeah. Or it's, oh, we're not going to go down that road. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have updates on that and hopefully we can get some more podcasts coming in soon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. And a huge thanks to Andy and Sarah for allowing us to be in this uh, podcasting booth here at Whiteland Raceway Park. Again, you can, uh, we'll leave all of our instagrams below i'll leave uh below i'll leave um joe's carters and ways you can get in touch with them i know joe you'd probably not turn down a mechanic and job someone you go out to supernats for a weekend right i mean i'm down to spend wrenches for anybody that wants a shifter car mechanic there we go so get in touch with him and obviously if you want to get in touch uh for 206ing your man to go would be carter bulls so thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you later race on